Hey, Upper Feasters, hope you're having a great day so far. This is my 52nd episode. Been doing the podcast for a year, and just wanted to say I'm really thankful for every listener and every message, every DM, every thing, all the things. So thank you so much. I appreciate you being a part of the podcast. I put together a little mixtape of some of my most popular episodes. Spoiler alert, two of these episodes were not the most popular, but I really like them a lot. So I felt I had to put them in there, but it's just a really great list. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of insane. All the guests I've been lucky enough to talk to. I'm thankful my friends talk to me, but I'm also thankful that restaurateurs talk to me. For example, I've had Jenny of Jenny's ice cream, Lions Cub cookies, the pit, coastal local seafood, Cameron Fontana from the news, Fartley farms from the hot sauce. God devour power, internet, TikTok superstars, Preston's breakfast with Nick, Macho Taco Food Truck, Hoggy's Barbecue, Vaulted at the Manicore, Roger Moo King from Man Fire Food, Damon Burney of Third in Hollywood, Stefan, my homie, Wario's, shout out, best cheesesteak, best steak, yada yada, Keegan from Jeff Ruby, he's a salmier, my buddy Josh Waddle, Drew Talbert, hilarious TikToker, comedian, Wizard of Zaha, and more. Whenever I want to do something, whenever I'm like, you know, deciding something, whether it's writing a book or, or making some project that's big, it's going to be all consuming. I like, I'm the kind of person that tells everyone I know, oh, by the way, you know what I'm doing? Da, da, da. And to the point where they're like, whatever, Jenny, like they get annoyed with me because I'm like, I want everyone to know that I'm going to do it because it puts me on the hook for yep. doing it. Right. Cause then in a year when I see them again or six months or two weeks, they're going to be like, did you do it? And I'm, I, my answer to them can't be nah. Right. Like, you can't do that. You got to be like, well, yeah. Or, you know, whatever. So little societal pressure on the, on the, on the Yeah. <laughs> And then also too, from the Wikipedia, it said that, and I, I'm actually shocked to hear this, that the, when you first pitched it to North Market the first couple of times, they said no. Yeah, they did. Was that devastating? Like, how did you overcome that? Okay. So in two different businesses, so there was Jenny's and then before that it was Scream Ice Cream, both in the market and at Scream Ice Cream, they just weren't interested at all. They're all predicated off of a base recipe, which I came up with, you know, I don't know, finalized about a year ago. And at this point, my pastry chef, Deanna, actually comes up with the, the vast majority of our new recipes because once upon a time, I gave her the base and you know she's a talented enough baker. She's actually an extremely talented baker where she can take that and she knows what to add and subtract in order to come up with new cookies that are both interesting, but are both visually, texturally, and taste-wise similar to our other cookies. So I can't take all the credit for, for that. I, I come up with maybe 10% of the new ones. She comes up with 90% of the ones. Now we all taste them and we all, especially her and I, we will offer suggestions to each other on how to change things if need be. But sometimes she just nails it first try or sometimes I nail it first try and that's how we come up with new ones. So what made you want to start a cookie business? Like, did you just enjoy baking at home and you were like, Hey, I'm kind of good at this. Let's see what I can do to monetize this. It was a rookie. We had to pay for our whole position group's food. At, uh, I think it was Ruth Chris we went to. And the bill wasn't that that bad considering the fact that we had just got drafted and paid and stuff initially. And then they started ordering shots of uh, Louis. Oh, God. Those, those were like 100 or 150 a shot. And they started to add up. And that tab got up to about 12,000. Oh, my gosh. And then, and then there was a, we had a, I, I'll just say this, it, it didn't. It didn't go over well with the two with me and the other guy. We weren't we weren't we weren't as open to paying the tab as they had expected. So I mean, ultimately, there was some this, there was some disagreement, and you know, one of the, the veteran guys 
um, put some money down on it. So yeah, is it so. is it kind of like a like a maybe like a low key hazing kind of situation? Because I would think that the veteran should buy you guys dinner because you're the newbies. No, so it's a it's a hazing thing. So that's like across the league is. There's a few things that always happen, like you carry. Hibachi is one of them. I think that's an unpopular opinion. I'm yeah. not a fan of hibachi girls. The second one is Italian food. I know this is going to get you, Anthony. <laughs> I just, I can, I can never, I'll never choose. To me, Italian food, it's delicious. But out of all the food possibilities out there, I just like a little bit more like spice and more flavor and I'm always big on, okay, it's just pasta. Now, there are places that make it very well, but that's probably an unpopular opinion that I've had delicious Italian food around Columbus, but I'll never choose to. Italian is on the bottom of my list. Wow. My mind is blown right now. (laughs) I know. Like, I mean, I can write Mexican, Indian, Middle Eastern, uh, Japanese food. I will take all of those before Italians at the bottom, even below American. Oh, my goodness. This is wild stuff. I can't wait for my followers to hear this. (laughs) Oh, no. No, they're going to cut. And it's funny because everyone thinks I'm Italian because my last name is Fontana, which is like, wait a minute, which I'm not. How excited were you when you were accepted into the North Market? Oh, my gosh. I mean, my when I started this, I started... The wholesale of Coastal Local 10 years ago. And I supplied the guy that was in the North Market at the time. And my all I ever wanted to do was be that guy. I wanted to have my own stand. I wanted to be the go-to guy for all that. And then when the one in Bridge Park was opening up, when we uh, presented to the board there, whatever, it was pretty exciting to get in there. And then the one downtown, at no fault of his own, I mean, was forced to close. And then they offered that to me. We weren't in any position to take it over, but I'm like, that's what I, I feel like we'll be there for 20 years. We come in now. So it's a, I'm a, I'm a huge North market fan. I've worked with those guys for the last decade and I, I couldn't be more happy. That's incredible. So, so they came to you, you didn't have to like pitch yourself. They were like, <laughs> Hey, we have the spot opening up. Are you down? Yeah. So they, uh, I had been in a couple magazines <laughs> i don't know about you but when i eat super hot things like i feel like my mouth can handle it because i just mentally tell myself i'll be fine yeah. but the next day the stomach troubles <laughs> the bathroom troubles yeah that's what really bothers me <laughs> yeah the uh, scientific term i think is ring sting um and so <laughs> that is definitely a, a real thing that that people feel because they I, I don't know how far we want to get into this but like you have trpv1 receptors all over your body and that's what senses the spice and the capsaicin and so you have that on your other parts as well and so in you feel it out you feel it uh but you you do build up a tolerance to that over time like if you uh eat enough spicy things like like i do not not bragging that's like i don't get ring sting ever but uh yeah it over after a while i don't know if it like is numb to it or no idea at this point i once read and i did not fact check this at all but i once read that your body like your brain thinks that you're on fire like that's why it freaks out and like so let my listeners know how do greg and rebecca stay so fit okay well it's you know it's a plethora it's a plethora of things we are constantly moving around i mean we live in new york city we're always like walking around or like running to the next spot where we try to work out every single day so we'll like either go on a run separately we don't really work out together because we do everything else together right (laughs) uh we'll like go on a run um i like to skateboard or longboard i like to bike we you know we'll go to the gym we'll lift some weights stuff like that um when it comes to this kind of food that we're eating and you see all over devour power 
sometimes we eat it all, but I would say a lot of the time we're just taking, taking a few bites. We'll take it home. We'll eat the rest later. We try not to eat too much in one sitting. So we'll kind of eat everything in moderation or we like share it with friends. So all the stuff that you see, we're not just eating all of it. Um, unfortunately, some of it goes, to, sometimes the food goes to waste, but we try our best not to, you know, waste, waste any food. And then I don't like the two uh, American sauces, uh, ketchup and ranch, <gasps> because uh, I just, they go on everything. I think it's more annoyance to me of working in so many places and having to like make ranch for people asking for ranch to put on everything and dipping everything in ranch and dumping buckets of ketchup on everything. Uh, they're just really strong, aggressive flavors that I feel like belong in some places but not everywhere. So, you know, those are things that people love that I'm not a huge fan of. Like I wouldn't have ketchup if I felt like I could not sell, not have ketchup. That's fair. When I used to work at in Times Square, which is like a family style Italian restaurant, and we did not have ketchup or ranch and it was, people hated it, especially because we were kind of a tourist trap. And I remember one time I actually talked about this on the podcast before, but this dude ordered shrimp scampi and he asked for ketchup. I was like, I don't have any ketchup. He pulled out ketchup out of his backpack and just put ketchup all over the shrimp scampi. Did you, did you guys, did you throw them out? No, I mean, I gasped like my first. You don't thing, deserve a reflection of, of kind of us and our very like Midwestern tastes. <laughs> Cause you know, we both have been here since little kid, literally Dylan and I both have been in Cleveland. You know, we're me and uh, until recently up in Cleveland from. And were you guys childhood friends? We became really good friends in college and then continued the friendship. And we had always talked about uh, going into business together. Uh, my first restaurant, he wasn't involved. So my first restaurant was called Bach. It was called Bach Asian Bistro in a neighborhood called Tremont in Cleveland. Um, and I had that from 2010 to 2018. And that was more of a, a little bit more of like a family effort. My my parents weren't directly involved, but my mom had owned a restaurant for a long time. So her and my dad were a big part of helping me get started. And my partner there was her business partner back with they. And were they helping you with the menu and stuff? Or even though you were so young, were you like, this is my menu, I'm gonna do what I wanna do or? Uh, the selections were mine, but then the dishes that were like like pho or like the Vietnamese spring rolls and stuff. You know, this is a little bit different, but it's still really, really good. Could you give me a, a specific example of what you're doing different? Yeah, I mean, there are not, there's, I've never been to a barbecue restaurant, a Mac Bowls. Like, I, I mean, I think I've seen one other place possibly do it and other people have tried doing it with barbecue, but like with our mac and cheese, which I would put up against anybody's, it's just a really different thing. And our toppings, you know, we we look at a lot of different restaurants and what kind of toppings they're either putting on burgers or salads or different things. And we're like, okay, what kind of spin can we do on this? So, I mean, we do things and we pickle things. I know that's not different, but we pickle a lot of things where most rest barbecue restaurants will have like dill pickle and pickled red onions, but we've got you know, candied and pickled jalapenos. We've got sweet and we call them sour patch peppers, which is like sweet and sour peppers. We do, you know, we've got this thing called red pepper butter, which is literally just a really just subtle pepper flavor that's not hot, but adds, you know, it combines with our sauces. Well, we do bacon jam, which is like our new, like really cool thing. When I cook the whole pig, the, the, my part that no one else is allowed to touch is the head. Uh, because I do eat uh, the eyeball, uh, I get a fork and I, I stick it in the eye and I turn it, you know, like how you get the spaghetti nice yeah. and beautiful around the spoon, right? And I twist it, I twist it, I twist it, it comes off. It's very tasty. You know, like when you roast the garlic, it has the same consistency with that one. 
it's not gamey, especially when you have like an open fire rotisserie and not an oven. It's delicious. Oh my gosh. I've never eaten an eyeball. You basically sold me on it. I would definitely try it. <laughs> Walter, do you have, um, a, I know this is a super hard question. Like if someone were to come to Columbus, Ohio, do you have a top three restaurants that you'd recommend? You're right. That's very tough uh, because I love them all. Uh, the nice thing about Columbus, almost none restaurant are, is the same. Again, man, I eat the globe. So I've eaten everything from, you know, lamb, kangaroo, of oh, uh, all different types of sauces of all kinds from gribiche to uh, herb sauces like all, chimichurri so I don't know I'm across the board you know vinegar base ketchup base like I've, I've tried I think just about everything kangaroo barbecue definitely piqued my interest how was that <laughs> was it was it gamey was it delicious like that sounds nuts I actually I, I ventured in as I was in Australia and you know, I was, was in Australia, they, they eat kangaroo. So I tried some kangaroo uh, burger because that's right. what that menu had. Um, and, you know, it's, it was fine. It's nothing spectacular. Like, is it that much different than beef? Nah, not really, you know. <laughs> so being that you, you do eat literally the whole globe. You know, those food experiences that we really remember. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those bites of those bites and the tastes that that to me is so magical. And, you know, I, one of the things I think about is, you know, at third, we've got, uh, do, were we doing the braised short rib when you were there? Yep. Super delicious. Right? And so I can remember, I don't know if you remember where table 23 is, but I can very specifically remember this experience. And this was a, a few years ago, but it happens all the time where a couple sits down. The woman, I think, had like a grilled fish. The man had uh, the short rib. And he took a bite of it and was like, oh, my God, that's so good. I, but I was behind him. And so he gave her a bite as I'm walking this way, looking at her like I'm looking at you. And she took a bite and she was she literally did this. She went. <laughs> and as I walked by, I was like, man, that is like it. Right. That's everything. That's why we do this. And you see somebody have that sort of experience with food, because for me, I can remember the first time I had an amazing short rib you know, at a restaurant uh, I worked at in LA. And no lettuce on hot steak. We don't do that. <laughs> it's so like, you. even if I took it off the, everything off the grill and you got to it 30 seconds after I cut into it, number one, you're burning your mouth. Number two, the first breath that you take in is going to be watery lettuce, like just, I want you to breathe in like that richness from the meat and the cheese and the toasted sesame because we toast the, eat every every uh, stick of semolina on the flat top before it comes to you. But there's no lettuce on the hot steak. I won't put it on there. I'm going to be honest with you. We've recently started getting a little bit more friction with that one. Sometimes even like if I see an order and there's like two steaks and a spot on it and somebody wants a side of lettuce. Sometimes the lettuce doesn't make it in the bag, man, you know, and I'm on expo like almost all day, every day. So that's like a big, big no, no, because like the, the bottle was kind of uh, wet still, like because I had it in a nice bath and everything and I pulled it out and I, I grabbed the bottle inc incorrectly and I was holding it just by the cage and I, oh, no. I, I was on my last turn of, of the wire cage. And the bottle was slippery and the pressure uh, shot straight down. And so like my, you know, my hands were right here. The bottle went straight down. Oh it no. Hit, it hit the floor right in front, right in between my feet flush. And this fountain of champagne 
went oh, no. up all over me, all over the table. I and I was so embarrassed, and and they couldn't have been more like they were laughing. Uh, they couldn't have been. <laughs> Thankfully, they were really cool about it. But I was like, uh, let me start this whole uh, dining right. experience over, please. I'll be right back with another <laughs> bottle of wine. That's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> wow, that's nuts. And it's my understanding there's four levels of sommelier. Is that correct? Uh, there's four primary levels. So there's uh, introductory, there's certified. Uh, there's advanced, uh, which is what I am. And then there's master. My vision before I opened was just to have this location here. Um, I was thinking I'd be here every day and that I, we would have like maybe like two other people working and that they would work in the back and the front, like cover both, you know, like stop what they're doing, stop what they're baking and come up to the front and help a customer. Um, that very quickly changed. Uh, we have to have two people at the front at all times and three to four people in the back at all times to keep up with demand. We have people in the kitchen from 5.30 in the morning until 11 o'clock at night, usually seven days a week. So definitely changed. Now, having to look at a bigger picture, it's very exciting because it's kind of like sky's the limit. Yeah. Um, once we get Dublin open, our plan was to start shipping out of Dublin, but it's become quite clear with wedding season and weddings in general opening back up that we will fill up capacity at Dublin very quickly. So my dream is to open a headquarters out in like Plain City or Blacklick, have a huge commercial kitchen with docks to load up trucks, um, have offices on the top floor and try to be able to produce to ship. That's my biggest thing. I have. I hate ranch dressing. I hate it. <laughs> I think it is the bane of uh, the dressing experience. Oh and I know that's unpopular. And so our ranch, I don't like dip my chicken in anything. I, and I never have well before hot chicken. And um, as we were testing recipes and we were trying to dial in our spice levels, it was so volatile. And so sometimes I would make a test batch and it would just melt your face. And so my wife, Lisa, was like, you've got to give me some ranch dressing. Like you have to cool this off. Right. <laughs> and, and so initially it was really like we were buying the big brand, thick, creamy ranch dressing. And that's what we were serving in our house as we tested it out. And then we knew that ranch had to become a staple on our menu. And so we started a kind of pilot recipes. And if you're looking for a hack of our ranch, you can really go buy some ranch seasoning packets and you need to make it with like a, a full fat mayo and buttermilk and add some extra black pepper. And our early recipes were somewhere like some version of that. And so um, the big difference with us is our ranch is... As long as the cheese is made properly, safely, and is salted, it's going to end up tasting good for the most part. As, you know, you start off with good milk. You have good, clean processes and you have your right acidification and everything. Um, you know, I mean, some things just happen along the aging process or maybe there was some other type of natural flora and fauna in it. And it does change the flavor profile outside of your parameters. And just be honest with your customers. And usually you can just end up cutting it up and selling it. Give people a deal that they probably won't mind. And I mean, we've done that many times. Oh, I, I agree totally. I think open and honest communication can get you away with pretty much anything in my experience. What would you say the fanciest cheese you've ever had? Or maybe we could just call it the most expensive or most rare cheese that you've ever had? Definitely the most expensive is going to be that Rogue River Blue. Okay. Yes, yeah. that was definitely the most expensive. Most rare cheese. I don't remember the name of it, but on that same trip to Italy, there was a cheese... Oh man, it's like almost on the tip of my tongue. Saltier batch, we're like, oh yeah, that's where it's at. It's just, 
trying to figure out that salt content, I think is where mozzarella really needs to be, you know, for the pizza, just to draw it all out together. Absolutely. And thank you for that. And so with mozzarella, is it harder to make like, like the bocaccini balls versus the large balls or like, does the size, does that affect how your process, I guess? So we only make, we do them all by hand here. So we make whatever is, whoever's making it, it's whatever size they're feeling that day. (laughs) We know we have customers that like the larger size. And so we always make a few of those, but also there are people like, I just want a little bit. It's just for me. So we tend to do a variation of sizes. We don't have a machine that does like specifically two ounce balls or anything like that. So for us, it's, we just make whatever so that when the curd knits together and you break it apart, it kind of naturally has a break point. So when we make curds here, we kind of make it on its natural break point. So good. That's an excellent choice. Not to be crass, but there's no ranch for your butthole. That's my problem. Like my mouth can handle the heat. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, have you tried? Ranch on my butthole? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess you're right. I haven't tried. Okay. So, you know, I don't know. I just ranch is, is so... You know, it's got so many uses. It's like we learned later, Coke can like take, uh, you know, corrosion off a battery and clean your toilet. So don't say that unless you know for sure ranch. You're right. I'm out here spreading fake news. What an awful guy. I'm so sorry. Maybe, yeah, I can make that video too, you know. Sure, yeah, go nuts, please. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess, could you maybe give my listeners a top three Los Angeles restaurants? Sure. I, I have to preface this by saying my my food taste is not, this is not Eater Magazine here. Okay. I am not a foodie. I don't, most of my last few years in LA, I wouldn't have, I couldn't afford to go to nicer places anyway. And I have a two-year-old and like, we just don't get out that much. So please take that with a grain of salt. If your listeners are foodies. They are. <laughs> But it's okay. I was so demoralized when I learned that Five Guys factors the cost of the bonus fries. You know, I'm talking about like how they'll give you the, you order a small fry and then they put bonus fries in the bag. I always thought they were like hooking it up, but that's like part of their business model is they factor that into the fries. I never knew that. Like, I always wondered about that because I was like, are these, are all these employees just like breaking like routine? Like, like, in a way, I'd be kind of like, hey, like that. If you added that up, that's that's not insignificant. Like across like, all their locations, like they're giving away like thousands of dollars of like free fries every day. Yeah, dude. So unfortunately, the the owner, I heard him on a podcast, and he confirmed that that is factored into the price. Oh, that's like part of that. That's how they played up. It's like that extra little reach at the end there. I get it. You feel yeah, like you're getting a win. <laughs> yeah ironically even though the, we do urban asian food uh my favorite food is burgers nice. <laughs> like my wife knows this like i was born in vietnam came here when i was two and the first time i went back was when we got married so we went back there this was 2015 we we're you know i was there a solid month and like the first thing once we like got to the airport in in america was like on a burger at uh <laughs> At like Carl's Jr. or whatever. She's just like, you have been itching for an American burger for a month. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. It's so shameless. Like there's all this amazing Vietnamese food. And like, I'm like, I, still, I need a burger. Like, and not the way Vietnamese people make it. Like they don't know how to make a burger. You know, this is something that to us goes beyond a job. It's a passion. It's something that we really love. And so getting that criticism is never easy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm the same way, you know, we might get 55 star reviews and two one stars. And yeah. so uh, what's important, I think, and, and something you and I have talked about is as a business owner, you've got to be open to people's feedback. You've got to be willing to grow, to learn, to look at that feedback and go, well, is this something that we could you know, work upon and do better? Or is it just ultimately their opinion and, and they just didn't like it? And so over the last year and a half of doing this, I've been able to obviously kind of navigate amongst, you know, what is something to take to heart and take serious and what is mm-hmm. something that, you know, is, is kind of cool because you're creating this controversy. It's yeah. something people are talking about. And as long as folks continue to order and support the business, it's not something to get hung up on. So you know, I'm somebody that's that's dealt with mental anxiety and, you know, different things like that, as, as most do. And luckily, it's becoming more and more brought to light. But uh, it's it's not easy. you got to be strong. You've got to have thick skin. There's some days yeah. where where somebody's comment will hang with me all day and it's and it's really tough and it's not easy to get through. But then something happens, something little that just reminds you that, like, who cares? You know, yeah. I've, I've got a great team here. I've got great customers. I've got people that support what I'm doing, friends, family. And what we're doing is amazing. And most importantly, we're bringing food into people's lives and feeding them. And that's what it's all about. Maybe 20% of this was good, but 80% was horrible. And that's where it landed. And, and we decided to like nix the piece altogether. So, but generally like, I, yeah, I try to find a silver lining, but I'll be honest with people and say like, Hey, the wait time was really long or, this dish was kind of undercooked or, you know, whatever, if there's some sort of misfire, but also, yeah, you want to be nice. I mean, restaurant industry is super tough and it is. everyone has bad days and you don't want to like, especially like you were saying earlier, like mom and pop restaurants, like there people have put like their, their life's work into it. You don't want to be the one to come along and dump on it just because you had one bad experience <laughs> exactly. And like, sometimes I'll, I'll read like Yelp reviews or Google reviews before yeah. going to a place. And it's so shocking. You'll see a review that reads as if it's a five stars, but then they gave them two stars. And I'm yeah. like, what, 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 yeah. what's going on here? Are yeah. you trying to be like, feel important and cool? Like, man, I get, I'm such a tough grader. Right. Look, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I can describe how much I didn't like this place. <laughs> Could you give us a top five Columbus pizzas? Benny's is my number one. Tammy's in Grove City is my number two. Pizza House in Worthington, Columbus area is my number three. Toritas is my number four, and Pizza Crossing in Lancaster and Hocking Hills, or Logan, is my uh, number five. Okay, that's cool. I, I love Toritas. I, I love making food content is like my favorite thing. So the only thing I struggle with Toritas is I feel like their pepperonis look gross, but they taste amazing. Like they're truly yes. super amazing pepperonis, but they just, they just, they don't photograph well, in my opinion. And that's, that's a problem for me. Yeah, it, it, it's not, a, it, and that's what it is. It's not really like a pretty looking pizza or whatever, but it, I mean, it tastes great. I mean, it's like right, my, my, my two through four is like right neck and neck. I actually got like a system and they're all to me like 9.2s. What's your system? Uh, well, it's like cheese distribution or topping distribution, whether the sausage, how it tastes, how tangy it is, the location, just to name a few, the friendliness of the staff. First of all, I'm cheap as hell. So I'm just like, yeah, like, eh, why would I pay for food when someone <laughs> else is just going to leave this behind? But then also... Like it just keeps up my immune system. I never get sick because I eat other people's trash. (laughs) 
like this is this is it like this is and you know at this point too it's like my my friends like now this this instigated you know they're like hey josh like yeah there's you know some some cold chips over here and this is like if it's chips like yeah all right i'll probably take a couple it won't be my favorite but yeah definitely like a nacho or a pizza you know now i've got like other friends on it too and you know when i said vulture boys me and my buddies are like we're out at like a bar or something like that and someone finds something we know because we'll start <laughs> one of us will start making these calling noises which i don't even know if vultures call like we're just, <laughs> as far as i'm concerned they the do. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they're birds uh, so i assume they, they do something yeah we'll hear one of us start going ah, ah, and like you'll see the rest of us like meerkats like popping our heads up like above like dirt as we just like look up and like we're just looking around to find out where the call was because we know he found something Someone found a pizza. <laughs> so now that you have this uh, reputation of, of feasting on refuse, um, <laughs> are there ever times where you're not really feeling it, but you feel like you have a reputation to uphold? So you're like, I don't really want that nacho, but the gang needs me to do it. So I'm going to chomp yes. on this nacho. Like there's just so many bangers. Like there's just so many amazing Columbus people that I got to talk to. And I look forward to talking to more of them. And my podcast has changed a lot in the one year I don't really do feast or pass anymore I don't do one to feast anymore I just kind of chat with restaurateurs and try to get their origin story and talk to them about unpopular food opinions munchies best dining experience but I still have to talk to my comedian friends I love having my funny silly friends on so it's going to be a lot more restaurateurs and the occasional silly ep so enough of my jibber jabbering that sounds offensive is that offensive i'm gonna leave that in there i don't know if that's offensive but it sounds problematic anyways thank you so much for listening to my clip show i really appreciate it remember to tell a friend share this with a friend share it on your social media give us a five-star review if you haven't i'm really proud of this podcast i'm really proud of every guest i've had on thank you so much for listening i really really appreciate it